Behold, behold, behold the pale podcast. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being, God damn it. My life has value. My life has value. My life has value. Behold the Pale Podcast. All right, folks, welcome back to another beautiful and wonderful episode of Behold, 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 a Pale Podcast. That ghost from from deep beyond that you hear, that is the voice of an Alexander the Hawk. Very scary individual. We we appreciate the Massachusetts uh, prison system for letting him out and give us this time to to, to talk. All for good behavior. I didn't shank anyone in two months, so they let me out. Not with a shiv, at least. (laughs) He's allowed to talk to his lawyers and us. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, directly underneath that person would be um, Jeff Berry, Austria's own, own the, uh, the child, the, the the adopted child of Austria, right? I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Um, I know the the old parents are trying to get him back, but he's been adopted. He's he's a man of a new nation. You know, uh, Jeff Berry, great great to have you back in the system. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm happy to be back. Good man. Good man. And who else is that I see? I got to put my hand over my eyes, off in the darkness. And the, the beard paves his way, shines the light. I love it. The great Ray Booten. How you doing over there, Ray? Pretty good. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Me, Ray, and Alex spent, uh, was in the, the editing bay this weekend, you know, uh, COVID quarantine editing room, you know, doing a big porch editing. We should do a documentary on porch editing, working on Ray's new, uh, Ray's debut short film, GPS, uh, starring, of course, you know, Ray Booten is up in there, but um, a whole bunch of great people. But Eileen Dietz, of course, from The Exorcist, we always like to mention the people that uh, people would know, you know what I mean? That's one of those things. Uh, we will have, uh, huh? Okay. We will be having our pal Sean Lally. I uh, will be joining us uh, in a little bit, I believe. But without further ado, 
pop off into, you know what I mean, the theme of today's episode. This is a theme that we kind of touched base a little bit on last episode. Um, only by name. Only by name. You know what I mean? Um, and that would be the Philadelphia Experiment, gentlemen. Philly! You know? Philly! Philly cheesesteaks. Not just cheesesteaks and Rocky gloves anymore and Jedi mind tricks. But um, now we're talking about the Philadelphia Experimente. You know what I mean? Um, That's French. That is French. Where in in France, the truth is is known. They let everybody know the truth in France. About Philadelphia, at least. So, you know, the Philadelphia... With Samuel Jackson. Huh? Philadelphia with no, it wasn't with Samuel Jackson. No, oh, you're man. thinking of Tom Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, Tom, Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, God Denzel damn it, Washington. Denzel we'll Washington. What we talking about Hanks in, in a future episode? <laughs> He'll be making a cameo appearance in a future episode. I always confuse my my favorite African American actors. Tom Hanks and. Um, no, no. I was going to say you, you, you're confusing Samuel. more than African American actors. If that's, no, no, that's the problem. No. Denzel Washington and uh, Samuel Jackson. Yeah, all the time. Regardless, continue. Who's the Who's the better talent? That's quite a question. You know, I, Samuel I really, is more. I think Samuel Jackson's a, a far more amusing. He's more actor. raucous. He's like more I rockish, like, but Denzel's more classier. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think that either of them – I don't think that they could, like – yeah, I mean, Denzel Washington could not play the roles that Samuel Jackson plays. Samuel Jackson well, couldn't play the serious roles that tra- uh, I think tra- Denzel tra- Washington tra- training, training Day might be the closest I think they ever cross lanes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Which is glorious. Training but Day Denzel, is great for Denzel. Denzel, yeah. Denzel Washington and Flight – I mean, that was he did a really kick-ass performance in that movie. That the, the original name of that movie was called Chase Carson, if I remember correctly. <laughs> the um, in the air. That's like that's that's the that's actually the uh, we jumped we jumped over the death of Chase Carson. You know, like the traveling Wilbury skipped the second album when um, what's his name? One of the singers died, Roy Orbison. We we skipped the sequel for DJ and jumped right into the third film where he he's an airplane pilot. Um, very nice, very nice. So back to reality, gentlemen. You know, we're getting to the Philadelphia experiment. For anybody out there that don't know, we'll give you a little rundown real quickly. You know, the Philadelphia experiment is uh, an alleged military experiment supposed to have been carried out by the U.S. Navy at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. Where? You guessed it. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, in the United States, also home of Mikey Bone Road. Uh, sometime around October 28th of 1943, the U.S. Navy destroyer escort USS Eldridge was claimed to have been rendered invisible or cloaked, if you will, to kind of kick back to last week's last uh, episode uh, to uh, to enemy devices. You know what I mean? To go into that deal. Um for sure, a uh, very cool, valuable thing. The cloak thing. I remember last week, you guys weren't really, or I don't know why I say last week. Last episode, you guys really weren't jiving with the cloak idea, right? With, at least with the Elisa Lamb situation. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean the, I mean, the, the whole cloak idea uh, uh, with the uh, Elisa Lamb thing, I really didn't think was, was um, a part of it or uh, all that. 
But I mean, but the idea of uh, the government working on cloaking technology like that and all that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I I would be surprised if they haven't tried to do it, and I'd be surprised if um, if they didn't, you know, do whether they succeed or not. And I'd be surprised if they haven't tried it. And it's definitely a technology that everyone has, you know, you've seen in science fiction, you've seen people talk about the possibility of doing it. I mean, you, you watch YouTube videos where people take, you know, like a green screen cloth and, and they play with the idea of that, uh, you know, uh, uh, making you invisible by hiding behind that. Yeah. And the thing is, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, um, uh, the only question is how 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 to actually, uh, you know, the, the physics behind it. I mean, unfortunately, I don't know the physics uh, physics well enough, but I I think it's definitely a, a real possibility to be accomplished. And I'd be surprised if, if the government hasn't already succeeded in one way or another. Yeah, honestly, yeah. What's, what's going down, Jonathan? Uh, Sean, what was yeah. your what was your opinion last episode of the, the invisibility cloak? Were you one? Of, were you a naysayer on that, or no? I definitely believe that technology exists. I don't know if it existed back in like forty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You contemplate like an alien, which would make alien craft materials, which would make a lot of sense. You know? Yeah. Sorry uh, for being late, everybody. How are you guys doing? No problem. Uh, no problem. Good. We're good. good. Um, we're we're in, we're in the we're we're talking Philly, Philadelphia cheesesteak experiments. You know, what I mean? mm, sounds that sound delicious. good. Sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the story of the Philadelphia experiment first appeared in 1955 in letters to unknown origins sent from UFO writer Morris K. Jessup. It is widely understood to be a hoax. Uh, but the, the U.S. Navy maintain, maintains that no such experiment was ever conducted and that the details of the story contradict well-established facts about the USS Eldridge and that the alleged claims do not conform to known physical laws. But we all know that every now and then physical yeah, but, laws but, do not apply. Yeah, yes. but no, but they said known physical laws. Correct. Okay? Mm. See, that that's the little loophole because... You know, the thing is that there's there's so much in our universe, in our you know world that we live in that we have absolutely no idea about. A for effort, my friend. It's those little words every now and then. You always pay attention to those little words that can that, that are the the you know the seasoning to the whole sentence. You know what I mean? The real the real words for the whole sentence is just so you, you can know that mystique. You know what I mean? Um, in 1955, researcher Morris K. Jessup, the author of uh, the just-published book, The Case of the UFO, about unidentified flying objects and the exotic means of propulsion. Um, they might use, uh, receive two letters from Carlos Miguel Alande, who also identified himself as Carl M. Allen, you know, so people could remember it. In another correspondence, you know, 
who claim to have witnessed a secret World War II experiment at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. In this experiment, Alande claimed the destroyer escort, the USS Eldridge, was rendered invisible, teleported to New York, teleported to another dimension where it encountered aliens, and then teleported through time, resulting in the deaths of several sailors, some of whom were fused with the ship's hull. Jessup dismissed Alande's as a crackpot, you know, so he's calling this dude a lunatic right off the bat. Um, I mean, when you guys first heard the 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 story of you know the, the, this the, you know going invisible, coming back, and then you know the 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 the, 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 the people on board being meshed into and fused into the walls and stuff, you know, when you first heard that, what was your take on that? I remember being like really taken back by that. Cause it almost makes sense to a degree of like what would happen in a situation like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing is if this actually did happen and you have the ship phasing in and out of dimension or time and all that, the fact that the, the ship's doing that. And then you, of course, you also got the people, inside it so i mean the idea of them kind of melding and ending up you know fusing with like the ship itself i mean if this actually really did happen that makes that sounds like a a logistic possibility i mean if if you're having the ship and the people going through different phases of dimension or time i mean if that is a possibility then I mean, the fact that, you know, there's going to be a point where the physical matter of everyone involved ends up, you know, kind of fusing together. That, I mean, I think that sounds uh, logistically uh, possible. Yeah, it's the the omelet and the broken eggs theory, you know what I mean? Yeah. You guys, what do you guys think of uh, 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 Jonathan? We'll go with. Yes. What you say when you were what, the people hanging halfway fused to the walls? What you take on something out of like a sci-fi horror movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're there, disturbing to see. I couldn't imagine it personally, but um, <laughs> it's so, craziness. But... Whatever, whatever happened to the ship? Did the, was the ship ever found? It well, it like after after this stuff after the info. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's probably locked up somewhere. I assume. Yeah. I don't think they would get rid of it unless they drop. I mean, if they really didn't want to deal with it, they'd probably put it in the bottom of the ocean. Definitely not public information. It's yeah. probably it's probably in like Area Fifty One. <laughs> some you know yeah. some mountain off to the side of Area Fifty One. Ray, what was what's your take when you first heard about this fusion of um, people being fused into the ship? If they're shifting dimensions, and that may involve uh, rearranging molecular structure atoms, yeah, the possibility that that got uh, some of the different forms got merged together when they reassemble, so to speak, yeah, uh, that to me makes sense. That's uh, definite. To, it's a possibility. Once you scramble those those atoms up, and then you try and put them back together, particularly if you're in an early experimental stage of doing that then the possibility of someone being fused into a ship, to me, that stands out as, yep, that could happen. Yeah. Well, like interestingly that... enough here, yeah. actually, this ship is this ship was just sold to Greece. Oh, really? Like, to the Greek military. Or, or not, I don't actually, 
I don't think it was probably not the military, but I know that Greece after the war, there was a lot of companies that were buying military ships um, for like shipping purposes. They were repurposing them as like shipping vessels. So, I mean, this ship probably still, I mean, they, they probably still uh, sailed this ship for years and years and years following the war. Um, yeah, they sold it in 1951. All, all, I can, all I can picture is like bad oil paintings hung over like uh, people's faces and their arms hanging out of the walls. <laughs> the thing was, the thing was, like, think about it. Like no one even, no one even knew about any of this at this time. When this ship was sold, no one knew that it was going to be, this was four years prior to any um, any word of this even happening. It's got the like the hand, like the coat rack hand that holds this this play this boat has a very Willy Wonka vibe to it. It's got the mm-hmm. hands that hold your coat and it, ha- it also has like the, he's floating above us in a million different pieces. It's got that whole element to it too. It's uh it's craziness. Yeah, I mean I I'm tr- playing like devil's advocate here of course as the cuz I mean I'm per- I'm a pretty hard realist. Uh, so like, you know, and, um, yeah, I think that, I think that like, of course, at this time, this must've been a really interesting time to be alive for the, for the, especially because, you know, Einstein just published, I mean, astonishing papers Mm. in, in, in physics. Um, and this theory that they're discussing here, the unified field theory was really like, would have been groundbreaking. I mean, if you would prove this theory at that time, I mean, it would have been, a nor you know a great achievement and it's still to this day not i mean they, it still fails right to this day i mean no one is no one's they've i think that they, i don't know if they've just given up on it at this point but yeah i mean i don't know enough about physics to really talk about it yeah um but yeah i i don't know it's this is a weird time because it's so you know, we didn't have Facebook in 1955. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have cameras. So no one really, um, there was no discussion about it. Everybody just probably took it at face value. Right. But I mean, my notion of it is if it took us several years to break the Enigma machine, but we can make a fucking ship disappear, I think that we have our fucking priorities kind of a little out of whack um, in regards to the war effort. Yeah, yeah no, I hear you. Uh, I just want to touch a little bit, touch base back on the, um, you know, the findings of uh, the the collaboration of this of Jessup and the other gentleman. Um, you know, early 1957, Jessup was contacted by the Office of the Naval Research, uh, the CNR, in Washington, D.C., who uh, had received a parcel containing a paperback copy of the case for the UFO and, and a manila envelope marked Happy Easter. Now, we just celebrated Easter, so no coincidences. The book had been extensively annotated, and it and its margins written in three different shades of pink ink, appearing to detail uh, a correspondence among three individuals, only one of whom is given a name, Gemi, J-E-M-I. Uh, the ONR labeled the other two Mr. A and Mr. B. Jemmy sounds like a female one, right? Now, real quick, um, uh, Jeff, I think you were saying something about about this before, where one of them was almost like an alien uh, presence. Well, yeah, I mean, somebody had, so at speak. the time, at the time, like they said that the uh, correspondences essentially seemed to have come from three separate sources, and they said that one was rumored to have been extraterrestrial communication, but. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, again, I don't yeah. know how. <laughs> the fact, the fact that the, the fact in 1957, their mind was blown by three different colors of pink highlighter. Yeah, yeah. Makes exactly. Me, makes me want to kind of question a little bit. You know what I mean? Mr. A and Mr. B, they were very ahead of the times. You know what I mean? Which is nice. Jemmy does sound alien-like. You know what I mean? It does sound like an alien, or almost computerish. You feel, you feel like the future, this, the alien life could be more of a computer thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, the innators refer to each other as gypsies. They call, so they, they refer to each other as gypsies and discuss two different types of people living in outer space. Uh, their texts contained non standard use of capitalization and punctuation. It's like my writing. <laughs> detailed a lengthy discussion of the merits of various elements of Jessup's assumption in the book. Um, there were, this almost sounds like this dude put this together for promotion, for marketing, uh, publicity. There was a oblique references to the Philadelphia experiment. One example is that Mr. B reassures his fellow uh, animators who have highlighted a certain theory, which Jessup advanced. Based on the handwriting style and the subject matter, Jessup concluded a large part of the writing as Allende's. And others have uh, the same conclusion, that the three style of, styles of annotations are from the same person using three pens. And I would kind of probably lean towards believing that, too. I almost feel like this is a publicity stunt for his book. What do you guys think? Yeah, it sounds like Jessup needed an editor more than anything. Yeah, it sounds. We don't want to disprove the whole thing, but this no. dude's approach is almost like he's just looking to sell books. Now, that doesn't mean the things that doesn't debunk yeah. the whole thing. That just means that that particular person involved was trying to probably make money out of the situation uh, instead of get things out there. Well, at this time, too, like UFOs were, I mean, we hear it now and we're kind of a little bit like, uh, you know, it's not that exciting anymore, necessarily. Like, we, it's kind of weird, actually, and you think about it. Like, we're not too intrigued, necessarily, as a society anymore. Yeah, well, it's back weird. in the day, right. in, back in 1955, if you were writing books on UFOs, I mean, you were really in it for shock value. Right. So, I mean, of course, something like this would, would get his attention. I mean, there's a time when people were supposedly getting killed over talking about this stuff. You know what I mean? And the goal with what you were saying, Sean sent me uh, alien footage of it last year of the, yeah. the the news leaked alien, and nobody like even talked about that. And it was like uh -huh. alien footage on the news. You know, remember that? Remember that? I do. That was actually really cool. It was like three videos of uh, UFOs flying high speeds over waters and stuff. Yeah. With, like, uh, the pilot's audio commentary going, he's like, I have no freaking clue what this is, and I'm yeah. following it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, and it just kind of went under the radar. Yeah, the, 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 the Pentagon declassified it, and literally, I saw all the three videos, and I'm like, this is not going anywhere. Like, this has got no traction. Nobody's picking this up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It was right before COVID. It was like, cool, unidentified objects on Earth. Nobody cares. <laughs> I just think people don't. I just think people are at the point where they're like, I don't know if it can get any worse. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think their mind. I think their mind is definitely blown out like that with what everything going on. That you know, it's you know, yeah. I would have thought there would have been a much bigger impact with that that being released, especially with it on the you know on the news, the government saying that they don't really know what it Everybody is. Everybody talking about storming Area Fifty One too. 
Yeah. And then they're like, here's a, here's a spaceship. They're like, okay, I guess we'll calm down. <laughs> and then, yeah, I wonder, whole- too, if it... I wonder if it has a lot to do with kind of like, I mean, I know that as a, as a, the West, I mean, the East as well, as the, the whole world, I mean, it's still rather religious. But I mean, you have a lot of people now that are a little bit more skeptical about religiosity. So it's like, I wonder if that in some way kind of makes us realize that we might not be this exceptional God created race. Um, yeah. and that there probably are. I mean, there's more than likely, uh, something else out there. And, it just doesn't, it doesn't phase us because it's been out, if it's been out, you know, if we're here and we've been here for so long, it's been out there for, you know, we've been interact, we haven't interacted and we're fine. So who cares? Yeah. What kind of the, uh, I mean, Alexander Hawk could be an alien for all I know. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just, you know, hiding all my alien technology. There and could be I'm a freak CBS conspiracy in a couple of years. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I support that. But, yeah. As far as I know, I'm not an alien, but I might be. I might be. No, yeah. We're all aliens. Well, I'll find out in the end. Um, you know, according <laughs> to Alan, uh, the officers at the ONR convinced uh, the Navy to fund a 1958 small printing of 25 to 100 copies of the volume by the Texas-based Varro Manufacturing Company, which later became known as Varro Edition, the Varro Edition, which is weird. 25 to 100 copies is very small. That's nothing. It's almost like for their employees or something, you know what I mean? Which is a weird take on it, you know. For them to kind of even, you know, humor this guy in his book is almost something you want to take note of as well, though. You know what I mean? Because if he was just some crazy guy, I think they would just kind of dismiss him immediately. It almost looks like they were in cahoots in a, in a way. You know what I mean? Like they were trying to collaborate on something. Crazy. You know what I mean? Some darkness. There's some darkness in there. It's, uh, yeah, you know, 1943. U.S. accomplished the invisibility and teleportation of a warship from Philadelphia. I don't know, gentlemen, what do you think? You think that's, you know, 1943, that's a lot, that's big. You know, they do say that the technology that we know, the technology that they have is like 40 years ahead of like what we know about. But we're not even at that technology now with being able, as far as we know, you know, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let every cat out of the bag, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like how uh, Alex said it earlier. Like, that's known of. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. It's yeah. I, I mean, the thing is that I wouldn't put it past the government to, you know, either figure out how to do invisibility cloaks or time travel or, or transportation, any of those things, and not... Keep tightly under wraps that you know only like the elite uh, people in the government and in the military even know about this. And and like while we keep on having better iPhones and and all that, that you know that they keep like all this you know cool technology to themselves. Whether they are able to actually come up and create this technology. Um, on their own, or whether it, they are uh, influenced, or they find 
you know, some uh, alien technology through one way or the other to help uh, them bridge the gap of the known physics to create the unknown physics to happen. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big question. But I would not be surprised that the government, I mean, first of all, have done these experiments. Whether these experiments are successful or not. Yeah, and, and the thing is that uh, and whether they, you know, uh, admit uh, that the Philadelphia experiment did happen or did not happen, uh, and, and also whether what the real, um, what really happened. I mean, without having, like, the actual physical you know, evidence in front of you. But, I mean, I would not put it past them to have experimented and, you know, shit goes wrong or shit went right and they're just keeping it under wraps. Yeah. Uh, I got a little more of a description about what went down in 1943, uh, what was seen. So in in October 1943, according to Allen, uh, scientists were working for the uh, Navy had accomplished the complete invisibility of the Eldridge, a destroyer-type ship, you know, all of its crew, uh, he was blunt in his assessment of the effect that the force uh, field had upon the crew members. All right, he says, seamen, within the energy field for too long, they went blank, you know what I mean, expression-wise, suddenly finding themselves fading into invisibility uh, to get stuck, uh, he explained, uh, was a side effect of the experiment that suddenly prevented a sailor from being able to move on his own volition. If two or more of his fellow crew members did not come to his aid uh, at once and lay their hands upon him, the unfortunate sailor would freeze. Those who had entered into the condition appeared as they were comatose, able to live, breathe, see, and feel, yet in a kind of netherworld. Uh, Fully as horrifying as the deep freeze effect were the incidents of men who went into the flame, who uh, they can they called that the people actually suffered com- uh, spontaneous combustion where people would just explode and burst in the flame. Those are the people that went too far. You know what I mean? Uh, Alande listed a number of personnel on the observer ships, crews, and uh, and other the, the other crews of the Matson Lines Liberty ship out of Norfolk. Virginia. He also implied that he himself witnessed the experiment from aboard the SS Andrew Fernseth. Allen affixed a lengthy postscript uh, stating his reconsidered opinion that the Navy was probably quite blameless in the incident and really did not envision the ghastly effect the experiment uh, could have on the crew members. Before he closed, Alanda tossed one more bombshell. The experimental ship uh, had disappeared from its Philadelphia dock and only uh, a very few minutes later appeared at the other dock in Norfolk, Newport, uh, News, Portsmouth, Virginia area. The ship had been clearly identified as being as that place. And uh, then, then it again disappeared and returned to its Philadelphia dock in only a very few minutes. Jessup sent Alande a letter requesting more information it was four months before he received a reply. In this second letter, Alande had Americanized his name to Carl M. Allen. He had also tempered a tone of his correspondence and seemed less uh, pricked 
as Je- at Jessup. Alande off- offered to uh, subject himself to hypnosis or sodium penthol uh, in an attempt to remember names, addresses, and service numbers of his shipmates. At that point, Jessup uh, was invited to go to the Office of the Naval Research in Washington. The astrophysicist was surprised when an officer handed him a paperback copy of his own book, The Case of the UFO. Jessup was uh, informed that the book had been addressed to Admiral Ann Firth, Chief Office uh, of Naval Research. The manila envelope in which uh, it arrived was postmarked, as we know. Happy Easter. Uh, you know, someone had taken the time and effort to completely annotate Jessup's study of the UFO. You know, we, we, we know the rest about, you know, Mr. A, Mr. B, and Gemini. Um, yeah, indifferent, other friendly or indifferent to Earthlings. You know what I mean? I don't know, you know, but it, it does make sense that if we were to have this technology, you know, it would come from something like that. It isn't technology that we would stumble upon. We would create ourselves, you know what I mean? Uh, it's an undersea uh, undersea building. Measure markers, scout ships, gravity field, sheets of diamond, cosmic rays, force, force cutters, undersea explorers, inlay work, clear talk, telepathing, and vortices. Um, such terms uh, have encouraged UFO researchers to speculate that the mysterious Carl Allen and his two friends were representatives of an extraterrestrial power that took root on Earth centuries ago and has long since established an advanced underground subculture. Now, that's something I've heard before in the past of a, a conspiracy theory. I don't quite uh, you know, buy into that one. What do you guys think of an underground um, civilization? You know what I mean? Like mole people? Like mole people or <laughs> ant people. Me and Ray were talking about ant people not too long ago. And then I think the Native Americans had ant people, right, Ray? South Park's yeah, got the did. crab people. Crab people. You know. Now when you say that when you say underground, you're talking about under the ground or underground as in hidden among us? I think it's underground. I think it's going there's there are certain theories that there's like reptilian people that live there's civilizations under the ground that they think uh you know that they're they they're they scurried away to be safe from us and that they live their own world underground, which I, I find a lot to wrap your head around. I think, think it'd be a little uh, it'd be a little easier to think that they've mastered hiding among us than underground. If they looked like us, yeah, you know what I mean. It'd be weird. Well, it would have, yeah. Their, their version of plastic surgery to look like us. Yeah, we call it masket surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I mean, I I agree with Ray in the fact that if if aliens have you know come and and created a uh, culture or colony on. Planet that it uh, the the underground isn't literal. It's more of like they find a way to live among us and and blend it in. Because I mean, if I mean, if if there were like you know uh, major catacombs and all that underneath the ground with an alien race, especially in today's technology, um, it, it, with anyone with uh, you know the cell phones and. And other technology could probably, you know, locate or 
or stumble across the, uh, this by accident. I believe, like they said, it, it's most likely they found a way to live among us and, you know, integrate in our society without our knowledge. If, or, I mean, it could be kind of like the Matrix. Like, yeah. I mean, like, that would, I mean, that's something that I, at least, like, that's philosophically interesting. Like, it's a legitimate discussion in philosophy. I mean, not, I mean, we still talk about it kind of for, I think, more for fun. But, um, you know, like, kind of the brain in the vat kind of thing. Or, or, cause like this goes I back like to the, simu- the simulation theory. That yeah. We're but this goes, simulation. but this goes back to Rene Descartes. Like when he just essentially said, how do I know that I'm not dreaming right now? Like there's no argument that I can provide yeah. um, to prove that I'm not, I, there's nothing I can do to really genuinely prove that I'm not sleeping, that I'm not just pretend, you know, I'm not just envisioning in my mind what I seem to be perceiving in reality right now. And so it's like the same with um, like the Matrix was actually written by philosophy majors who studied Rene Descartes, who actually really enjoyed Rene Descartes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that would be more of I think a, that's something that's that's philosophically interesting to think about is is kind of like being a brain in the brain in a vat. Like say there we really were kind of um, just in storage somehow, or like maybe we didn't even have physical bodies, but we were somehow just like being kind of mentally stimulated somehow because that's the really interesting thing is that like it's really crazy to think about the fact that our you know is are our minds separate from from our physical bodies you know like what is that substance because it it doesn't it doesn't seem necessarily physical it doesn't seem like something i could touch if you were to cut my brain open it would just be a mass like it would just be mushy but you never think like, oh, there's thoughts, there's, there's, um, you know, there's concepts, there's like very, there's very, there's objects that are not physical objects. And, right. and how do we explain that? That's really, that's really intriguing to me. Um, do you believe that everybody's all one subconscious? Everybody's connected? How do you feel on that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't this kind of goes back to previous discussions. I don't necessarily have like a really, I feel like that is very close yeah. to the simulation thing. I think those are hand in hand in my opinion. Like if you're going to wrap your head around the fact that we're all maybe like a unconscious, so to speak or something in our, our minds or, you know, kind of like that coma movie almost where like, you're just kind of on a bed sleeping and you're imagining everything. I think that's where, you know, if you could get into that realm of it or the matrix realm, like you said, I think that you could definitely be able to get your head into the fact that we're kind of all one big energy. Uh, and through that energy, we all have like the per- we, different personalities, if you will, that think that they are a physical form. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did I lose you, Jeff Baird Jr.? No, no, no. I, I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, I don't really know. I mean, I don't, I think that, uh, you'd have to kind of, uh, yeah, I mean, I talked about this in the past podcast too. Like, I guess if you were to assume that we all shared in the same substance in some way, and I mean, again, this is like old, you know, old philosophy talk, but we all somehow shared, if there was this distinction between mental and physical substance and it had some connective kind of, home base i guess you could say which would be potentially god or just whatever that may be but god for 
for ease, um, yeah. then yeah, perhaps we could all somehow partake in the same, in the same, like we could all be interconnected in the same substance and partake in similar, um, you know, in a similar, uh, like, I get, I don't know, like output somehow, like substance, substance output, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is just like getting into crazy meta, meta, metaphysics. Well, there's, um, uh, Ray, isn't there something called the Godhead or a spiritual thing called the Godhead? That's like a big overall subconscious thing. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I might be wrong with that thought of what I thought. I could be wrong there. Uh, I don't think so. What, what I was thinking about, which, uh, kind of amuses me is that if we tend to think that, you know, we're, uh, humans are so intelligent, so special, and we have our own theories and concepts about time and space. Right. What if, uh, our concept is wrong? It's very yeah, nice. I mean, that's actually already been, that's already like been heavily discussed by philosophers of science. And at this point, and like at this point in time, most scientists agree that like we don't necessarily have the correct view of science per se. Now you take that one further step. What happens if you do have, uh, for lack of a better word, a race uh, in another part of what I'll call the multiverse uh, that is there? And we are nothing more than a science project for them. We're an experiment. Yeah. We, are, we, are, we are in their matrix that they've created and they're basically playing with us. Yeah, I mean, we'd be essentially brains in a vet, but I don't know. I mean, I guess one just really, I mean, we can't use, um, we can't really like form strong arguments based on intuition because there's just, I just don't think, you know, they're, they're, they'll hold long enough, but you could say, for example, like intuistic, like, like I have this intuition that I want to say, okay, well, it seems as if like we're too, like, we have consistently, we're too consistent, I guess. Like it would just have to be, the simulation would have to be completely almost like, like, I don't know, like we have, we'd have to understand like, what is their goal? Are they trying to are we really being oppressed and we just yeah. don't know that we're being oppressed or they, is their goal to allow us to live like a good life? Um, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like if we were, if we were an experiment, we could be, go I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, this is, I mean, this is again, like we could just be a brain in a vat somehow. I mean, the matrix could be real and like nothing that we perceive is, is in fact the way that it is. But I mean, that could just very well be the way that it is regardless. I mean, because we could just be, I mean, we, we might not even have, you know, you could just say, well, we don't have absolute truth and we don't have, we don't really have a, like a absolute understanding of, of much of anything. And we're just kind of, um, you know, we perceive the world, which is, I think, true, like with just strictly in the human perspective. And there's, you know, an infinite number of ways to potentially view and understand the world and no one of those ways is necessarily the right way but it's unique to that particular organism i mean you could say that and then just kind of completely even get rid of this whole like brain in the vat kind of matrix scenario what if we had nothing more than the fish in the fishbowl unaware of any life outside of it yeah i mean we could very well be 
like you know we could be ants to something else for all we know yeah i think we are i mean yeah i mean i don't i don't know i mean (laughs) we're not just walking down the street and then somebody steps on us or something steps on us but yeah yeah i guess the heaviness of death maybe that's what the heaviness of death is getting stepped on yeah. Driving you to the flow. Driving you to the flow. You want to talk about death for a second, guys? Let's <laughs> talk about death. Morris Jessup. That, that's an uplifting uh, subject. We're going to talk about the death of Morris Jessup up in this up in this piece. Because, um, you know, a man of this stature would go out, you know, suspiciously, of course, you know. Uh, Morris I just want to add Je- something real quick, okay. if I may. Yeah, because sure, sure one... Because, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of – I feel like sometimes I'm just here to, like, almost pick these things apart in a way. Um, the – just to let you know, too, the ONR yeah. wasn't even wasn't even formed till 1946. So, like, the Navy this – re, this particular Navy research program that they're saying existed in 1943 wasn't officially even a thing until 1946. I see. There's a lot of weird stuff. Like I'm so getting like, a touching of it, bad vibe. So essentially, like, and not to mention the dude who this Alendo guy or whatever. I don't know what yeah. his name is. He just blatantly said that he lied. Like he made all this shit up, like several times. It's it's. I think I think the visual. We're gonna go deeper into it, of course. But I think the visual that people gather in their head of just you know crew members hanging out of a wall half of them hanging out of a wall i think that that visual that people get is why it's well, event horizon cell. man such a big cell it's 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 a movie in your head with just with just a sentence you can give somebody a movie in their head you know what i mean and it's very believable because you would believe if you were to go to a different dimension did the, the you know the the compl- you know the the complicated of that situation you know it ain't gonna be a success every time you know what i mean uh, i'd say more often than not it wouldn't be a success more often than not it would be what you're what they dealt with or speculatedly de- dealt with with people fused into the walls and stuff or you know spontaneous combustion which is a theory that that, that that's even reality you know people don't even think conspa- uh, spontaneous combustion is a real thing you know, me and Ray talked about that on mostly ghostly once, and our kind of our kind of take on the spontaneous combustion thing is it looked more like murders that people were blaming, trying to you know get away with murder. So you kill, so you strangle somebody, and then you light their body on fire and say they blew up because they ate too many beans or whatever the deal was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like they would find with spontaneous combustion, anybody out there that doesn't know, I'm sure there won't be too many people, but it's this supposedly this thing that happens within you with the gases in your stomach <clears throat> and they mesh in the wrong way and you actually blow up like you, you, a fire begins with inside you and you, you blow up and all and you burn, burn from the inside out. Uh, and then when you're found, it's just it, you could be wearing your leg could be there wearing a pant leg that's like not burnt. And then the rest of your body is just charcoal. It's weird. Um, it's almost like there was all like napalm. I think we talked about napalm on the episode, Ray. You remember that? Where it's almost like they just they killed them and they poured this weird substance on them that just burnt like an acid napalm type thing that just burned mm-hmm. everything. Because when you look at it, 
It's literally like a normal arm, but then from the elbow, it's just charcoal black ash on the ground. And then there's weird things how, like, there won't be ash on the bed. You know, there's weird, There's a lot of weird, very questionable things at play when you're talking about spontaneous combustion. And we're not even talking about that rare gem of a Toby Hooper film that's lost <laughs> out there in the world. Well, I mean, have you heard of um, Anatoly Bogorsky, the Russian physicist? No. The guy was, the guy, it was like in 1978, mm-hmm. he was he was working with, with a very large particle accelerator in the Soviet Union, and he was checking a malfunctioning piece of equipment when it failed, and he was leaning over the equipment, and um, a proton beam shot through his head. Reportedly, he saw a flash brighter than, this is, I'm reading this off the internet, but a flash brighter than a thousand suns, did not feel any pain, but he had a clean hole through his head. It went through his uh, the occipital and temporal lobes of his brain, the left middle ear, and out through the left-hand side of his nose, and he was unfazed. He's like, I'm pretty sure the guy's still alive. Wow. And, like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, this this stuff, that's what he's known for now, surviving a particle, acceler- particle accelerator <laughs> accident. That had, but nonetheless, that thing like. That was so hot. That, that thing was so hot or whatever that that thing, it just. It, it burnt it and it solderized it before it could do any damage. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah. we whip. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, that that stuff's crazy. I mean, yeah, in that sense, like, you'd think that, like, if something was going to make you, like, you know, combust, you'd think it'd be like that, you know? Not necessarily, uh, I mean, that would be, like, I think the closest thing. I'm, once again, I'm no scientist, but I mean, I think if you get hit with a particle accelerator, you'd, you'd probably be. Having a bad a day. I heard you got to take a knee after that. <laughs> the um, how, what's you know what three thousand suns look like? There's a question for him. I've only seen one sun in my day. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I could just imagine the guy probably just I couldn't see maybe, for a little maybe, while, right? Maybe, maybe on it on its route through his brain, it burnt a little more than uh, <laughs> he may have thought. He's seen those three thousand suns. I'm pretty sure the guy continued doing research, like for years and years after that. Well, you know, he he pushed the broom around the old lab, but we we let him call it research. <laughs> Whatever you say, Jeffy. He 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 could still make a good cup of coffee. Half of it would wind up on the floor while he was walking it to you, but you know, it was still a good cup of coffee. No, no it's it says here that the guy finished his work day because he didn't want to tell anybody what happened. He wanted to get the full pay. He wanted to get his full paycheck. That's how you know you work for a bad a bad boss, man. When you get a, a fucking light beam blown through your head and you don't want to punch, you don't want to punch out. You know what I mean? Honestly, I'm I'm still good. I I can still function. Auto is auto in the. I'm gonna movie. take five. I'm gonna take lunch. Yeah. So he could have heated up. He could heat his lunch up with that thing blown through his head. <laughs> what a world. What a world. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, weird freak of nature things like that happen a lot. Ray, well, are you familiar? I'm familiar Ray, with Ray, what? The, this dude getting the, going right through his head. What do you think? Why, why, how, you, how do you think you're, you're able to stay alive? Do you think it's literally a solderizing the wound after it passes through? Or what? It, what, what could even, you know... What is that? Size of it, where it is, what happened. I don't don't know any of the details out of, out of it, but I've seen, uh, I've known of pictures of people who have gotten shot in the head, a knife right. shoved in the, in the brain, and they, they all survived. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, yeah I mean, this guy got really lucky. Like, that's what yeah. it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, you'll see those weird pictures on on online of them of people getting like, you know, that you know they're doing construction or something, and the piece like two by four goes through their through their neck and out the other side, but somehow they're still alive or something. You know what I mean? Weird. Yeah, I that's, that's luck. I know there was one time. Uh, someone was doing research on the spontaneous combustion. Yeah. And what they did is uh, they concluded that a lot of that may have... <coughs> Excuse me. A lot may have to do with the fat content of the person. Because what they did was in test in the test they did, they used pigs. Or, and some which they definitely fattened up. And they found when the the higher the fat content, the more intense the fire, but it stayed localized until it burned itself out. And which yeah. is similar to what we call like the napalm effect. Right. Until it burns itself out. So they think it may, they did not explain the combustion part, how it started, but the localized fire part they think may have been, uh, attributable to having a very high fat content. Now, if you're talking about how in the murder somebody, yeah, butter them up, lay the fat on, and then set them on fire, you get a localized fire. I you think that, better. I think that's what spontaneous combustion really is. It's, it's that napalm stuff, you know. Cause, and, you know, and for anybody out there going, you know, where are they going to get napalm from? I'm, all I'm going to say is you don't have to go that far. That's all I'm going to speculate on. Well, but, um, yeah. I was in, I was in high school in the sixth, in chemistry class, yeah, and we figured out how to make it with what we could buy in a grocery store. Yeah, I didn't want to get into it too deep, but from what I hear, most people can make it from what's under their bathroom sink right now at this moment. <laughs> a lot of that stuff, yeah, and yeah. it doesn't go out; it has to burn itself out. Which is more reason why I think that's exactly what did what spontaneous. And there's not a lot of cases of it, but I think that it's one of those weird cases and. Uh, a favorable one, favorable where you might know the police chief or something, um, so they can easily kind of gloss over it. They don't really investigate it too much, um, but it's very that whole that whole spontaneous combustion in itself is very like uh, you know very you can really you can go with that for days. Actually, we got in trouble. We we figured out how to add one more element, uh, one more ingredient to make it explosive, so it would spread the spread the. Uh that it would spread it and then uh, that would have to burn out, gave it a higher explosive thing. And we got about halfway to making it when we got, we got caught by the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we all ended up at a lot of detention. They actually got the police and a bomb squad in there to kind of get that thing out of the room. Yeah. So I wasn't always the most favorite person uh, <laughs> in that school, but by uh. the same token, by the same token, no one messed with me because they figured, no, this guy's too weird. Don't go near him. <laughs> Don't mess with Ray. Don't mess with Ray. My secret ingredient was Reese's PCs, and they went out with a smile. Um, Morris, <laughs> Morris Jessup, he was found dead, y'all. He was found dead in his station wagon. Ooh, is there any worse car to go out in? I'm, you know, I hate to be, I hate to be that dude, but uh, he went out in his station wagon and Dade. County Park, Florida, on the evening of April 20th, 420, 1959. Uh, police officers reconstructed the death as a suicide. A hose had been attached to the exhaust pipe of the station wagon and looped into the closed uh, interior. Some associates mentioned 
despondency over an approaching divorce as the principal reason. Most of his colleagues, however, were shocked and surprised that Jessup would seek the ultimate escape of a closed car and carbon monoxide. And ever since Jessup's death, there have been UFO researchers who have argued that the alleged suicide was the price the astrophysicist paid for getting too close to the truth about flying saucers. Um, we did an episode, if anybody wants to check out uh, in the past, you know, of, of X'd out scientists and stuff. And I believe we talk about Jessup in there. And it's kind of crazy the fact that, you know, with the way things are, you know, people were supposedly being killed for doing what we're doing right now, you know, only what, 30, 30 years ago. So it's a, it's a, the world's flipped a bit, you know? Hey Matt, I have Yo. a question. Uh, where, where did it, it say his station wagon was when he killed himself? It just said that it was in Dade County Park, which is, I'm guessing is a public park. It didn't give any detail of like, if it was in the parking lot or if he drove into it. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, uh, I'm not saying that I'm an expert or anything, but usually when someone's going to kill themselves by carbon monoxide, usually they they do it in a garage or an enclosed area. I just think it's weird that he he did it out in a park. I'm with. Well, I I want to add two things to that. Maybe he wanted to go out in a scenic situation, and I feel that if somebody was doing it to him, don't you think it would be easier to do in his garage? Than the Bordeaux in public, I would I would assume, but then uh, again, I mean, maybe it wasn't a hundred percent like planned. It could be that they, you know, lured him out and uh, trying to talk some sense to him. Things got rough. They knocked him out, and it was a quick, well, how we take care of it, and they decided to do it that way. I mean, I like right. I said, I I. Not not an expert. I just right. think I just think the uh, where it happened is just kind of odd. Especially no, I, I'm, going out that way. I'm with you on that. I, I'm with you on that. I think it's odder and for different reasons, though. I think it's odd because somebody could easily, if it was an operation where uh, you know another guy or a group of guys were were killing him and making it look like a suicide. I think if you were to do it in a public park, you, you could get very easily noticed doing that. I think if you're just a, a dude that does that, that's going to do it and you, you want to go out, I guess maybe that park was special for him and his wife that he's divorcing. You know what I mean? So yeah. like he, he could have went there and looked over, looked over this view that they used to always look over or something um, and do it there type deal. So the fact that it was public, I think is a little more, that leans more towards, him because if it was somebody doing it then yeah you'd want to go to his house where you know you can control the environment you know you're you're in a house enclosed and nobody knows what's going on you can be there for hours doing whatever you want to do if you're going to knock him out put him in the car i don't know you you know tie him down tie him down so he's stuck in there and then like gas him out like i don't know how you'd how they would do it but yeah more time would be able to do it at the house yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, like you said, that uh, it happened at the park, but we don't know where exactly. I mean, I know right. some parks you can drive down, like you know, these little paths in the middle of nowhere, and you know, unless you actually know exactly about the path, you're not gonna stumble across them. That's a very, uh, that's a, very, that's a really valid point too. That's a great point because he could, it could have been very, you know, drive yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I mean, if you go into that uh, 
I, I agree with Hawk. If you go into that park thing, and this goes back to uh, when I lived in Rhode Island, there were several parks that was famous uh, among teenagers because they had roads and they had paths that went to nowhere, and that's where people would go to make out. Yeah. And that, that was a big-time thing. The other thing is if you're looking at the government, yeah, they just kind of uh, give them something to knock them out, rig the car ahead of time, take it down this road, bring him, stick him in there, turn it on, and leave. No one would see it going on. Nice and simple. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. No, I, I still I still do think it would be easier at the house, but I do see you guys' point, and it could be either yeah. or, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> I think those teenagers are doing more than just making out down there, right? <laughs> but no, we'll, we'll keep it PG. Fun. We'll keep it PG. Okay. I think they're, they're playing Go Fish. Uh, and eating Cracker Jacks. <laughs> the, um, yeah. <laughs> the good old days. Um, there there were, uh, there were really was a destroyer named the Eldridge, you know, and it remained in, on active duty until 1946 <laughs> after it was removed from the military service. Uh, it was mothballed until it was transferred to the Greek Navy. Um. So yeah, the, like Jeff said, the Greek Navy did get it in the end. You know what I mean? That would be kind of for anybody that was into hip to that stuff. That they'd probably want that in their little arsenal of collect, collection. You know what I mean? Yeah, but um, that that provides. See, that's a perfect cover if your government you mothball it, remove all the evidence, and then sell it off. So you say, well, we're not hiding anything. Look, we sold it. Well, what the government would do would hide it. And, 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 and maybe switch the numbers and put out a, a different boat with that serial number or something on it. You know what I mean? So, like, it, it wouldn't, like, as far as the public knows, it's still out there roaming around, but it's locked up. I, I feel like something that, if, if that, if what happened really happened, that, sh- that boat ain't just fucking, that boat ain't delivering fucking transporting bananas. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, that's not going on right now. That's somewhere safe like in an area 51 situation where they supposedly have spacecrafts like this boat would be there you know what i mean it would be wherever that stuff is located well at least the key parts of it that had the technology one thing the the navy did admit from that time they did an experiment using coils on another destroyer and it was to uh disrupt disrupt the sensors in the uh the nazi torpedoes so that the they couldn't target the ships and the torpedoes couldn't find them. So they were, so they were trying to be on one sense invisible, but they were invisible to the enemy's technology, not invisible to sight. So they were going down that road in one area. What's to say they weren't going down that road in another area. That's a very good, that's very good, right? That's a very good like observation because yeah, like who's to say, you know, the invisibility can be kind of looked at in different ways, the actual physical of not seeing it. And then the actual, you know, the vibration, you don't feel the vibration, you don't pick up on the radar and stuff like that. That's a whole different type of invisibility that we're not really taking into consideration. You know, there, there could be multiple, uh, you know, vibes they're going for with that. And that's one experiment they actually admitted to, which is rare. Yeah. Uh, well, they admitted to another one, too, in the 50s, which they actually attributed to potentially why people uh, kind of started to think about this in the first place. It says here that the um, 
Another likely genesis of the bizarre stories about levitation, teleportation, and effects on human crew members might be attributed to the experiments with the generating plant of a destroyer, the USS Timmerman. In, in the 1950s, this ship was part of an experiment to test the effects of a small, high-frequency generator providing uh, 1,000 hertz instead of the standard 400 hertz. The higher-frequency generator produced corona discharges and other well-known phenomena associated with high-frequency generators. None of the crew affected, uh, suffered any negative effects, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, that is another, like, I mean, that's actually in the official ONR report that they released regarding these um, these claims. You say it produced corona? <laughs> is that what I heard? <laughs> yeah, and that's what it says. Yeah. But that's, it's not, yeah, it's not the. That's Corona Queens. That ain't uh, Corona. <laughs> corona. Are we talking about the drink or the the pandemic thing? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting vibe. Yeah, and if they're admitting to it, the, you know, the fact that they're admitting is an interesting thing. Uh, well, but- I mean, the thing is, if if they're admitting to that, one thing I find interesting about like the government is when they start admitting uh, things, they're admitting to things to hide something else. Right. Oh, I and, agree with that. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, they'll admit to something, but you have to look behind the surface. See what they're admitting is uh, hiding what they're they're really doing. If you go back to uh, you go back to the Vietnam era, they had a group called the Studies and Observation Group, and it you, you know the the uh, they called it the Studies and Observation Group over in uh, Vietnam, and supposedly you know studying, observing. It took twenty years before. The truth came out that the government was high, uh, hiding. It wasn't the studies and observation group. It was a special operations group. And this, this group went in there and they did the dirty work the government didn't want to admit to during the war. So they have a history that and a lot of others where, um, yeah, throw one thing out there. And while someone watches that, you do something else. Yeah. If, if they're if they're dealing with a lot of like high frequency, high electricity things like that, what's your guys' take on take kind of pulling the the the, the time slip, the, the jumping, the supernatural out of it, and just saying that a weird maybe some weird uh, electricity thing happened where it zapped all them and just well, made them form into the wall type situation, and it's the, the, the scientific aspect of them just getting like annihilated with energy instead of you know, them crossing over. And even, even with the, the, the what's the, the, that. And then also the second half is this weird light that people see. You think that there could be a light is a flash so bright that it would make it something appear invisible after the fact, because like your, your eyes are so fucking shocked by this flash that like trying to readjust back to normal, you don't see what's actually there. I mean, I think world war two was in and of itself, like, Every single country involved was racing to have the best technology. The best. Right. So it's so. I mean, on the one hand, I think that if if this thing actually happened, I feel like it probably would have been. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I it's this is when you when you talk about something like this, this is like something you think about, like you know, oh, like the crazy Nazi scientist, um, yeah. you know, doing, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, at this time, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, discussions about something like this. I don't necessarily see it being possible because, I mean, you you can't even – I mean, it's still scientifically impossible to even 
consider potentially making a human being invisible for a temp for a you know short period of time god forbid a boat but um i don't see it as being like an unreasonable discussion necessarily like somebody just throwing it out on the table you know and like maybe there being a document or two about it because that could that's that, that seems to be like for me like it doesn't seem ridiculous that somebody said something about it and then there was a document released somebody saw the document and then made these crazy speculations uh-huh. um because i mean you know that from the i mean just from if you look at the technology that came i mean the second world war changed so many things about warfare in general I mean, pre-World War II, we didn't even have fucking sights in, uh, in aircraft for aerial bombing. I mean, we were dropping fucking bombs with our hands. <laughs> I mean, like, it's crazy. You think that, um, you think the government would, um, fabricate a story like this because maybe the story got out that, you know, American, well, that's the thing. American I crew see... died and instead of saying that they killed their own men by accident, blame something, you know, supernatural. Well, I could, I could see, no, I mean, I could even see propaganda like this being used to instill fear in the enemy. I mean, at this time, like, there was almost, I, I kind of associate with Nazi Germany, I kind of, still to this day, there was a paranormal aspect. I mean, think about it. After the war, the Hitler's werewolves, he called them. The Nazi yeah. werewolves continued to fight, um, continued to fight and kill uh, occupying forces for years and years and years after the war ended. I mean, and they were they were in hiding, and they still were very much so embedded within the Nazi ideology. And so, I mean, there was a very there was very much that like kind of supernatural allure, I think, to well, yeah, kind of the Nazi ideology in general. So you I wouldn't. It, yeah. It doesn't seem out of it doesn't seem like ridiculous that maybe allied powers were having these ridiculous discussions, because I think that in a way, like, I mean, I kind of view Hitler as a weird character in the sense where, I mean, of course, yeah, he's a horrible person. But I also think that he was like just a really like kind of scientifically weird person. Like, I just think he had like a really weird idea of science in general, like a very pseudo pseudo scientific view of the world. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just thought that these things were, were very attainable and very achievable in the first place. So he was, he was a very it could be a strategy for sure. Yeah. It could be a strategy for sure to, to discuss these things um, with the intention of kind of, Taking because I mean if, if you gotta think if if you're if 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 the enemy hears about something like this and they think of it as a legitimate threat which I, yeah. I mean I can't see how they possibly could but I mean maybe they do and then they say to us then that takes that distracts them I mean in a sense they they're, they're like all oh dictators. We need to switch yeah they're all we need dictators with gigantic egos and they if they, you know they they look at themselves it's a dick measuring wrongly. contest essentially it's like yeah. who can who can create the who can create the fucking most you know dangerous military in the world who can kill mm-hmm. the most people i mean who has the best technology to kill the most people essentially like that's what it comes down to it was a war of attrition whoever could whoever could um develop faster and develop better was going to win the war yeah, we're gonna do an episode on Hitler and the occult in the future, because his 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 ties into that are really weird. Yeah, it, it, he black, actually black arms. Yeah, where um where my girlfriend was born actually, he was he was born twenty minutes away. I've been to his birth his birth uh, 
His birth village. I'm guessing they didn't give him a bench. <laughs> He's no, his house is still there. Really? His birth house his birth house is still there. There there's they're actually discussing about potentially turning it into a police station now to tearing it down. Is it a museum or just a house? No, there? there's a lot of like white supremacy activity there. Like a Makes lot of sense. people go and like worship him in a sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's why a lot of people are thinking that they should repurpose it because it's just, well, they should make yeah. it like a, make it a symbol of what he was against. You know what I mean? Like make it, make it like a, like a, like a, like a, you know, a pro, you know, Jewish thing, yeah, synagogue. It was something pro-Jewish, you know what I mean? Something like something that would really boil him, boil his blood. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's just so many reminders of the war still standing in, I mean, especially in Austria, like, but in Germany as well. But in Austria, I mean, especially in Salzburg, it wasn't. They didn't bomb the city of Salzburg. I mean, there was a couple bombs dropped here, but the city's still pretty much intact. So, I mean, almost everything that was developed during the war is still standing. Pre-war is still standing. I mean, there's bridges in the city that were built by slave laborers. And they say it on the bridge. You know, they say when you're crossing the bridge, they say to all those who were, who lost their lives building, you know, building this bridge, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. So, I mean, you're constantly reminded of the, you're constantly reminded of it. And it's, it's always looming over you almost when you're here, you, you, you constantly like see little hints of, of world war two kind of like artifacts, um, consistently around you. So okay. the use of propaganda against your enemies, um, that's, that's just kind of standard procedure. I know during world war two, the British Hitler was very much into astrology and followed it quite a bit. And the British would forecast with these so-called experts charts and filter out uh, information based on astrology, which uh, Hitler, the people would listen to. And the problem with that was that you take D-Day, for instance, um, and certain other key times, they would make it a bad time for Hitler to do anything according to their predictions as far as astrology goes, so that what would happen is that he would hesitate to do something, whether it's respond to something or invade, and some of these messages were conveyed uh, covertly over into Germany, and some were uh, actually broadcast in England so that the spy network would pick it up and, and relay it, and Hitler would say, basically, oh, no, this I can't do it now. The stars are not right. I mean, that's a simplified version, but he would do a lot of that. And they actually have files on when they used to do that. Uh, and it's all propaganda. Now, whether if you're talking about an invisible ship, shape shifting, and it may not have been public knowledge here, but it might have been something that you would feed to Hitler and feed to his people in that network so that he starts to worry about that and doesn't do something else that could have helped him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird too. Like, supposedly, I mean, supposedly, like, Heinrich Himmler was like an avid reader of like the Bhagavad, uh, Bhagavad Gita, which is like so weird. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like these people are like, 
I mean, with all of these leaders and I mean, all these people that were within the regime, it's just like so weird when you read about their personal lives. It's just like there's because, yeah, I mean, you'd never be able, I mean, a lot of the time, like you read about their, you know, their interests and stuff and you're like, how it, you don't even necessarily, you'd never be able to put together that they were such monstrous people. Yeah, because it's all, it's people. They're there. Somebody said that. Was it's crazy. About Hitler recently, and they were like, like one idea. Forget that he was just yeah. another. There was a person. No, that, that he was like, don't I'll ever forget. He was just a regular human like us that uh, got that, it, that that swung in his favor, and he was able to do that. Like, don't ever lose track that somebody could do that. You always well, it, be cautious of that. It all starts with it. All it doesn't start like it doesn't happen overnight. It's right. it's like Nazi Germany didn't occur overnight. Nazi Germany was decades in the making, and and like. They were, it took them years and years and years of pushing propaganda, pushing propaganda on their population to establish a solid, like, to, to essentially establish what was at its height, the Nazi party. But I mean, I mean, I know that this is a completely ridiculous comparison. I'm just, but like, I remember when there was a lot of things that like Trump would say that I just knew were blatantly fucking ridiculous. And like, I was like, there's no way a rational person could believe this. But a lot of Trump supporters were adamant that everything that he was saying was 100% true and factual. And it was a prime example of how like propaganda fed to a population over repetitive propaganda being fed to even a rational population eventually takes hold. The thing like that, it's a weird deal where everybody picks their team. And even, you know, when you pick your team... You had there's certain things you agree with them on, and then there'll be things you don't agree with them on, but they're still your team. So you yeah, have it's to, better than the have to back them. Yeah. It's weird. It's I definitely weird, but that that's what the dynamic of it is. Is even if they don't fully believe and support that thing they're pushing at that moment, that they believe in that person enough that they'll go. And it's all parties do the same thing. All of them do it. They go well. I will. We'll you know we won't. We will ignore this thing because. They, they don't want to. Neither party would ever want to drop themselves to a point where they were agreeing with the other side, saying that their person is fucking up or saying something stupid. So they'll just mm. blindly walk into a train. You know what I mean? That's what that is. That's the story of that. And uh, Donald Trump is going to be on our show next next month. So <laughs> can't be bashing too hard. He's looking for work. He said he's hoping to be on the Behold the Pill podcast show. He wants to debate Scary Barry Jr. <laughs> the, um, yeah, it's a weird, you know, yeah, I don't want to get into the deal, the, the old uh, the political stuff, but, no. you know, the other thing, we'll go into a different political thing. You know, another thing that they, the theory that people have about this is they insist that the government, we talked a little bit about this before, but the insistence of the government is at work, um, with the, the day, you know, with aliens, with intelligent life, you know, they failed in 1943. They ripped a hole in the space time continuum, enab- enabling alien intelligence uh, to begin an invasion of the planet. Once the aliens begin to explore the opening between worlds in, ni- ni- in 1947, secret government agencies cut a deal with the extraterrestrials to share technology in return for the neutral resources of Earth, including some of its human inhabitants, a.k.a. us, 
is uh, slavery, bringing back slavery, unfortunately, you know what I mean? Um, in 1980, the writer Robert A. Gorman managed to find the home of, and the surviving family of Carl M. Allen, alias Carl Miguel Allende. Gorman's research convinced him that the Philadelphia experiment was quite likely all a hoax, a fantasy molded by a former sailor who loved to read about UFOs and strange, unsolved mysteries, so much that uh, he created one that may never die. You know what I mean? And it's, it's quite possible. Um, but this whole thing with, you know, the ripping into the time, you know, the time continuum thing is an interesting take. And I remember hearing an Art Bell interview. For anybody else that don't know Art Bell, he was like a radio guy who t- did a lot of paranormal talks and discussions on his show. And he had a gentleman on there that acted like he was working in Area 51. And who's to know if the reality of what it is or what it isn't. Um, but I know that, that that's very creepy uh, audio. Within that, he talks about something like this where he says earlier space, sta- space station stuff, you know, made contact with something. Um, and when it made contact, that thing came into kind of our our realm, our, our dimension, if you will, and that it's now here and it's a problem. And, you know, it's it, it, in that thing, it, the guy talks about how the government knows about it and the government knows about safe places in this world that it could have the people go to, but it doesn't tell the people because it wants the population control thing. And it's quite, quite possibly one of the airiest, um, airiest videos I've ever heard because it just sounds so real and he's emotional while telling the story and such. So, like, you really get wrapped up in it. Um, so that one was pretty... I always got to make note uh, of that one being really good times. But that's what that... that that The idea of that... What is this video? What uh, Art Bell. Look up Art Bell, Area 51, Colin. And uh, it's super creepy. And I'll, um, maybe I'll, for the, for the folks out there, maybe I'll pull that little clip it from that interview and I'll throw it on the Behold a Pale podcast uh, and a bonus. I'll put it in the bonus. I might start doing that for y'all out there. Whenever I come across something really cool, I think folks who listen to the show would like, I might go and do the old uh, switcheroonie and throw it up there as bonus. See if yeah, I, I can't even. I can't even find it. I mean, it's not even. I it's taken off. Oh, that's sad. It used to be. What's weird is things get pulled down all the time. Uh, and Alex knows this because whenever I stumble into something really cool that I want to kind of have in the future, I'll. He, he's got the technology to pull from YouTube, so I send it over to him to pull it. Technology. To, yeah, he's got the real technology to make sure that we don't lose that footage into the ether because a lot of stuff, you know. And especially YouTube, where YouTube's cracking down heavy on what they want you to see. Um, yeah, you're not going to be able to see any of that stuff. So hopefully all that footage don't get deleted and someone's got back backups of it somewhere because otherwise all that footage will be gonzo, never to be seen again. And they're not coming back for second photo ops, you know what I mean? Um you know, another thing I, I want to touch base on real quick was, you know, the misunderstanding of the documented naval experiments, you know, because there's certain the hijinks. We're going to get a little bit of the people naysaying and the debunking for a little bit here. 
Uh, personnel at the 4th Naval District have suggested that the alleged event was a misunderstanding of routine research during World War II at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. An earlier theory uh, was that the foundation for the apocryphal stories arose from degaussing experiments, which have the effect of making ship uh, undetectable or invisible to magnetic minds. And other possible origins of the stories about levitation, teleportation, and the effects on a human crew might have been attributed to experiments with the generating plant of the destroyer USS Timmerman, um, whereby the higher frequency generator produced corona discharges, uh, which I think we talked about before a little bit. You know, the, uh, Jeff brought them up. A corona discharge is an electrical discharge caused by an ionization of a fluid such as air surrounding a conductor carrying a high voltage. So that's something you don't want to stick your tongue on like you would a battery, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I'm gathering from that. That'd be uh, shocking. But, yeah, yeah, you turned to uh, Richard Hawkins for Stephen Hawkins pretty quickly, I heard. Once you touch your tongue to that. Observers have argued that it is inappropriate to grant credence to an unusual story promoted by one individual. In absence of a cor- corroborating evidence, Robert Gorman wrote... In Fate magazine in 1980, that Carlos Allende, a.k.a. Carl Allen, who was said to have been corresponded with Jessup, was Carl Meredith Allen of New Kensingworth, Pennsylvania, who had an established history of psychic psychiatric illness. My goodness. Um, now, we're not going to turn our eye to the fact that these people would be called insane and have told they have psychiatric psychiatric illness just for thinking certain things. Um, But they very well could, because a lot of people do, uh, who may have fabricated the primary history of the experiment as a result of his mental illness. Gorman later realized that Alan was a family friend in a creative and imaginative loner, sending bizarre writings and claims. You know, they also want to debunk it with some timeline inconsistencies that we'll take a peek at real quick. Um, the USS Eldridge was not commissioned until August 27th, 1943, and it remained in port in New York City until September of 1943. The October experiment allegedly took place while the ship was on its first shakedown cruise in the Bahamas. Although proponents on the story claim that the ship's logs might have been falsified or else still be classified. Um, and I do think that if they were, I do, you know, I think, you know, them still not let people see stuff is, is, is a reality. And I also feel that that boat is not, they say that it's Roman, but they just flipped the serial numbers on that thing. That real boat <laughs> is in like area 51. If that was a real deal, that's, a, that's, that's not, it's not a used car being passed off to whoever wants to buy it at a low price. You know what I mean? Um, the office of the Naval research uh, stated in September of 1996, the ONR has never conducted investigations on radar invisibility, either in 1943 or at any other time, pointing out that the ONR was not established until 1946, like Jeff said. It denounces the accounts of the Philadelphia experiment as complete science fiction. 
Yeah, that, I mean, that's troublesome for their, their argument. A reunion of Navy veterans who had served aboard the USS Eldridge told Philadelphia newspaper in 1999 April that their ship had never made port in Philadelphia. Further evidence discounting the Philadelphia experiment timeline comes to the USS Eldridge's complete World War II action report, including the remarks section of the 1943 Decalogue which is available on microfilm for anybody who wants to check that on out. Um, and we'll, you know, they have a couple alternative explanations that they want to, you know, address that they, they, they feel they have, and we'll, we'll, we'll give their opinion before we give our overall opinion. Uh, researchers at Jacks Valley described the procedure on board the USS Engstrom which was docked alongside the Eldridge in 1943. The operation involved the generation of a powerful electromagnetic field on board the ship in order to deperm or degauss it uh, with the goal of rendering the ship undetectable or invisible to magnetically fused undersea mines and torpedoes. This system was invented by a Canadian, Charles uh, F. Godby, uh, when the, when he held the rank of the commander of the Royal Canadian Naval Volunteer Reserve, when the Royal Navy and other na- naives, navies, other na- naive navies used widely during the World War II, British ships of the era often included such degaussing systems built into upper decks. Uh, the conduits are still visible on the deck of the HMS Belfast in London, for example. Degaussing is still used today. However, it has no effect on visible light or radar. Valet speculates that accounts of the USS Engstrom degaussing might have been garbled and confabulated uh, in the subsequent retellings, and that these accounts may have influenced the story the Philadelphia experiment, you know, um, you know, Valley cites a veteran who served on board the USS Engstrom and who suggests it might, uh, might've traveled to Philadelphia to Norfolk and back again in a single day. Uh, the, the merchant merchant ships could not be, could not be used of the Chicopee, Chesapeake, Delaware Canal and Chesapeake Bay, which at the time was open to only naval vessels. Use of that channel was kept quiet. German submarines had ravaged shipping along the East Coast during Operation Drumbeat, and thus military ships were unable to protect themselves where security were secretly moved uh, via canals to avoid the threat. The same veteran claims that the man that alleged witnesses disappearing at the bar, he claims that when he fought, when the fight broke out, friendly barmaids whisked him out of the bar before the police arrived. Okay, he was underage for drinking. Uh, they then covered for him by claiming that he had disappeared. All right. So what you guys just take as we, as we kind of wind down, we wind down on the good old Philadelphia experiment. I got a good vibe on what I think we're dealing with here. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Alexander the Hawk real quick. What do you, what do you what's your take on the Philadelphia experiment? Well, I mean the thing is that there's so many different possibilities. Uh, it could definitely be you know something that's just 
in, uh, a figment of this guy's imagination. He just blew it out. Uh, just to, and then, uh, but I mean, it's it's one of those things that uh, I mean, there's so much to wrap your head around around it. I I I lean towards the fact that probably these experiments did happen. Now, the only real question in my mind is what the uh, the end result of these experiments were. Uh, were they, as people, uh, or as has been reported about people, uh, about the ship disappearing and people being uh, melded within the hulls or that kind of stuff, or whether, you know, it was something else. Um, thing is that you're not going to get the full story, and of course you're going to get the uh, government constantly saying that, you know, this didn't happen, and they'll, you know, give you the runaround. But I'm open to the possibility that what probably happened was they, they attempted it, and it went horribly wrong. Uh, and because of that, they decided to put uh, a hold on it. Or they decided to try to go in another direction. Um... Like I said, there's there's so much, and then of course you're uh, going with the whole alien aspect. I mean, if you are to believe that aliens have contacted and been, you know, in contact with our our Earth and especially those in power, the fact that uh, they would have made deals where you know. We give them some of our natural resources. They give us some of our technology. And we try to use that technology, and it totally backfired and caused uh, this uh, this uh, incident. Yeah. And there's a lot of those possibilities. And, and, and I'm open to, you know, any of this actually happening because, you know, you don't know. And I believe there's a lot of things out there that that we don't know about. I mean, like uh, alternate dimensions, time travel, all that. I mean, we've seen millions upon millions of sci-fi fiction uh, films and stories about that. And because, you know, uh, you, you got those doesn't mean that they're not true. Not that it's not possible to do. The only question is finding, you know, uh, the physics that we have not found yet. Because there's so much out there that we don't even know. And that is, that I'm totally sure of. There's a lot we don't know. And the possibility of it happening and that, you know, the government was trying around with some technology that just was out of their league, I, I think that's possible. There was also a, a situation that was called the bar fight. I don't know if we, t- did we touch base on that at all? No. It was just, no. Would you say no? Yeah, no, we didn't. I don't think. No, it was. It was. Uh, it, this happened shortly after the Philadelphia experiment, and it was uh, it, within a bar. There was a bar, and there was these two guys fighting, and supposedly they disappeared for a little bit and then came back. Hmm. Now this is just called tequila. Yeah, this is a bar. This is a <laughs> bar. Yeah, one tequila, two tequila, three, three tequila, tequila more. more. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. And then they came back up. And they, then there was cocaine on the floor. They snorted that and popped back up. Yeah. Um, it was what it was quite a world, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, you know, the fact that it was in a bar, I do have to say, does have a little element where, you know, people, like, people probably drinking. People probably drinking some booze in a bar, you know what I mean? It's kind of what you do there, right? Yeah. Um, maybe they're doing other things, too. You never know. Um, well, I, I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, if you go with uh, the whole idea, uh, jumping back to, you know, uh, aliens, and then, you know, if you jump into aliens, you jump into alien abductions. I always find it funny that those who always talk about being abducted by aliens always seem to be the ones that you don't, you, you automatically disbelieve. So, yeah. I mean, if you go go with the whole bar element that, they disappeared, then came back. You know that seems kind of be in line. You know, if 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 you decide as an alien species, well, we're going to play around and have these guys disappear. Might as well do it in a bar where you know no one's going to believe the eyewitness accounts. Yeah, the um, it's a weird vibe with that deal, but yeah, there's also one with um Al Bilek. Uh, did we get an Al Bilek? Al Bilek's an interesting one. Uh, you know, the story goes a little something like this. Um, you know, Al Bilek, also known as Ed Cameron, you know, he, he was with his brother Duncan Cameron one day in 1943 when he dove into the waters around the ship. Uh, he saw the effects of the Philadelphia experiment firsthand because he was teleported into the future. Um, Bilek uh, has shared his story widely. According to him, he and brother Duncan ended up in the year 2137. The joke's on him because I don't think there will ever be a year 2137. <laughs> um, they were later returned to the year 1983, the year of my birth. Ain't that something? After a period of two years, he says he was a part of the CIA's Montauk project. Where that's another big project. We'll do an episode on in the future. Uh, he has written two books. And his about his experiences. Uh, skeptics, you know, go at him too, of course. Call him a crank, crazy, attention-seeking, lying motherfucker. You know what I mean? Um, those futuristic things are always weird. Whenever somebody goes so far into the future, I always speculate because I honestly don't feel this world's got fucking that much time left. Not to get bleak, you know. But um, what's your take on somebody saying that they go that far, literally into the future in general, I guess, would be the question. But, you know, what's your take on somebody saying that they're from the future? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things. If someone says that they're from the future, it's... Um, it's one of those things that uh, you can never 100% disprove because, I mean, it's the future. We haven't experienced it yet. Yeah. So, you know, someone says, oh, I'm from the future and everyone has flying cars and we've created dinosaurs to be our pets and servants. And I mean, they can tell you anything and, you know, it might be true, it might not be. I mean... With uh, how things are going, I mean, anything is possible. I mean, as as Matt said, I I also unfortunately have the feeling that I don't think we as a society have a lot um, left, <laughs> to be uh, perfectly honest. Um, 
with uh, with everything that's going on. Unfortunately, Ray departed out. I wish he was still here because I'd love to talk about um, the paranormal things that you might see on your typical battleship. You know, from people, you know, people that may die on it. You know, you, you the getting sucked in the propellers back in the day and stuff like that. You have maybe suicides. You have, um, you know, you know, people that leave. You know, when they leave, when people are going to war. Um, you know, me and Ray talk a lot about people can go back to certain places that meant things to them and a battleship. If a battleship is the last place a soldier is before he goes to battle and, and gets wounded and dies, his last thoughts might be how much he wishes he was still on that boat and never left. You know what I mean? So with that being said, that could have that energy around it too. And I do think that that energy needs to account for something, you know what I mean? Um, that energy would be the same energy of the, you know, to go into that whole thing of what if we were just kind of in a simulation? I think the energy and the simulation are very close, closer than people want to put them. You know what I mean? Um, but that's my take on it. You know, these these navy ships are gigantically huge. You know what I mean? Nine thousand tons, more than five hundred feet long. You know what I mean? It's got more than ninety missiles on that thing. They're killing machines. You know what I mean? There's a lot of um, they're there for a purpose, and the purpose ain't good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, like, it's a weird deal. The whole thing's a little weird with it. Um, but the whole the battleship in itself, I don't think that thing's if, – if, if any of this is reality, I don't think that those battleships are floating around. You know what I'm saying? Um, my take – I guess I'll give my take real quick, um, and then we'll let Jeff wrap up with what his, his take is on it. I think – you know, I I don't like to debunk, but I'm going to have to sit, lean towards my gut on this one and say that I think that dude might uh, might be telling stories. I think that the fact that this got so big and blown out is the detail of the bodies in the wall. You know, to go back to last uh, episode we did, where I think Sean brought up the question of if that if Lisa Lamb didn't go missing in the Cecil Hotel would have been such of a big a deal. And we all agreed that I think the, the important detail in that was where she was found. And that crazy video mainly was that crazy video. And those, those crew members being half in the wall, half out of the wall is the equivalent to that crazy video. So with that being said, my take on this is that the, the visual that people get when they hear crew members half in a wall, half out of it, fused into it. The visual that they get, I think, is what carries this story. Um, do I think that something like that could have happened? Uh, like with people fused into the wall? Yeah, you know, I like electricity, it, to go back to what I was saying, could be a crazy thing. Like me and Alex have both worked with an actor that no longer has hands because he used to be an electrician and... He, he was wearing gloves. Um, he was working, I think, on a telephone wire, a telephone yeah. pole. And he touched a wire, and it, it, he said he, he pulled his gloves off, and it was like a roasted marshmallow. Like you're pulling the roast, you know, with the goo, you know what I mean? He said that's what his hands look like. And um, that's a, like, that was all electricity, you know what I mean? And it's one of those weird things where it's electricity is like you don't see it, it's there. But the fucking wallop that it can pack and hit you with is like knock you out of your shoes into that another dimension, literally. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, do I think the possibility 
And the invisible aspect of my take on the invisible aspect is I go more with, I think, I forget which one of you brought it up, but not so much visually invisible, but invisible to the point of radar and, you know, you know, just getting in there. I think that that testing things like that with frequencies because radar and underwater, that's all frequencies and pressure and, um, you know, vibrations. And, you know, if you mess with those, all those things that I just said together and even separately at high volumes and high frequencies, I think you probably could. You've, you've seen videos of like just music, pushing people across rooms and, you know, make, you know, vibrating their hair and making their skin move and stuff. That's just music. Like you, there, the energy you could pump out. I think you could definitely probably blow, blow somebody into the wall. So my overall take is from the, I, you know, I, it's possible that it could have happened, but my standpoint is that I think that dude might've fabricated a story. I think that, Society ran with it because of the visual that they got of the inf- being fused into the wall. Um, and it just kind of came from there. And if the boat's floating around, if it's if it's mumbo jumbo and not real, then yeah, it'd still be out there. Now, if something happened, whether it was a freak accident where the government accidentally killed their people and one didn't want to take blame, or if they actually did tap into something, I'm kind of full full circle on. A lot of different things that we speculated are things that I could easily see going into because the fact that what what they were trying to do and accomplishing that, you know, that don't sound too crazy to me, too, because I do think that there's other stuff out there and dimensions and stuff. But I think that if you scientifically as well as spiritually go leaking, looking for these things, um, you're going to find them out there and. You know, you open doors you might not want to open, but once the door is open, like other things can come in. I, I'm, I'm a strong believer in that. Um, so, yeah, like it, 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 if there was some type of dimensional twist, yeah, I think people could get fused, fused in when they're, they, they, you're coming back in. It's that Willy Wonka thing. <laughs> it's all one big chocolate factory, you know what I mean? Jeff Barry, what's your take? What's your take on the Philadelphia experiment? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's, I don't agree with it at all. I don't think, I think it's bullshit. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I feel like, I mean, I don't think that, um, it is, it is possible to pull off, uh, you know, invisibility of a ship. I mean, like I said earlier, like, here's the thing, like, at the point that we're at now, I mean, a lot of the science, like, I mean, science, scientists, you know that, you know, people are very, very intelligent. And I mean, with the technology that we have today, like, if, you know, there was a group of scientists who wanted to, you know, essentially try to push something to its limits and uh, potentially create some sort of device that could potentially, like, shield a human being. Why wouldn't they do it? I mean, that would be crazy military technology. I mean, people have tried to do stuff like that and it's just, it's been proven impossible time and time again. I mean, there's like, you can do it with radar, you know, you can pretty much become uh, invisible to radar and stuff like that's completely fine, but something like a ship, no way. I mean, it's just, I could see it being, you know, they were scrambling radar and stuff like that. Like that's perfectly believable, but there's just no way in hell that they did this. And, um, if someone had done this, I, I don't see it being necessarily 
I, I mean, I think it would have been bigger news. I think yeah. more people would know about it. I mean, this is the first time I've never heard about this before. This is the first oh, time I've heard about it. It's just pretty, this, uh, this is really, this is pretty popular. There's a movie about oh, really? it. It's been all over TV books. Like it is one of a bit. It is, it is, uh, just cause you didn't hear about it till recently. Don't let that fool you. Like it is kind of a well-known thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just really, I don't know. I don't think it's, um, I don't buy it. I don't know. It's just, there's yeah. too many, not to mention too, like the, the science that it's based on has been, has not been fruitful at all. Yeah. I mean, people, it's not like people haven't been working on it. Um, it just, yeah, it just doesn't, I think it was one of those things where given the scientific setting, given the craze behind the different theories at the time, um, I think that people were more open to the possibility of something like this being the case. I just don't, I just, I just think this, 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 what this is, is this is a conspiracy theory that has just not aged well at all. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, we can get into like possible worlds and say maybe it's possible, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. There's, there's just no way. And, and not to mention too, like, there's so much evidence to the contrary here. Like almost everybody denies that it was a thing. And I feel like if it was, I mean, I'd like to see these, I'd like to see whether or not there's like reports of people being killed that did confirm that this was a thing. You know what I mean? There's not enough of that either. Like there's not enough evidence of like a full government cover up. Because it, again, too, like it wasn't like they made an effort to necessarily. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have publicly like publicly discussed the um, the gift, you know, the, whatever the selling of this ship to the Greek government. I mean, right. people would have been flocking, seri- like diehard, you know, followers of this theory would have been flocking to Greece mm-hmm. and been like, "Oh, I need to see this boat. I need to see it." Sure. I just, I don't know. I don't. I don't believe it. I think it's, I think there's too many, like, I think, I think it's, it's such a ridiculous theory that the government was even just like, come on, like, we're not going to feed into it. I mean, they released, it's very, it's not very often where the government publicly kind of, kind of publicly, like the, the military publicly, like, goes out and, like, outs a, uh, a conspiracy theory. Usually they're, you know, they're, there's some substance to it. I feel like they kind of, keep that like like the area 51 thing and like all the stuff about area 51 you don't see a lot of like public military reports saying none of this is you know none of this is true these are the explanations i mean they've released reports on this it's one of those doesn't add up yeah no i hear you i mean i do think people would lie but i'm with you i mean it's one of those things you know and it's which what sean was saying earlier about you know the you know, to, you'd have to get the, the, for alien materials. You know what I mean? If we were to have a spacecraft fall, and you know, we were to capture, you know, some of the techniques that they have, or some of the materials that they use for their their situation, and try to use it to us, it's like we would, we wouldn't be able to. We might even if we were able to break down what minerals were in those materials, we. I'm assuming if, if it's otherworldly, I mean, I, I'd assume we would have to go to another world to get half of those minerals. You know what I mean? 
Like, I feel like the things that make them so wow to us is because we don't have them here. You know what I mean? Well, well, here's the thing too. It's like, what is the motivation behind this? Like, what is, why would, that's, that's the other thing. Like why, if this requires like help from, like if we don't necessarily have any, if we have no access to the technologies to make something like this possible, if we have no proper, like, I mean, say that we just, there is, you know, this is scientifically possible. We just haven't discovered the theory yet. Um, you know, if something came down you know, and said, hey, this is how you do it, <laughs> like, don't you think that there would be some at least like minimal advances in the, in the, in the field? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't we be somewhere different today? Like, wouldn't somebody be like, oh, yeah, we could make this fucking book disappear. You know what I mean? Like, we can just like minimal yeah. objects that don't necessarily affect persons. Like, there could be applications for that. Yeah. I feel like there'd be like minimal, like I'm, I'm talking like very, at least minimal, like minimally, there'd be very, very like non-problematic applications of this technology if it was even remotely possible. I mean, if they made a whole boat disappear and just randomly appear in another port, like it, and like, you know, they covered it up because of the negative ramifications, you know, people dying, the uproar that would, it would have caused. Yeah, I, I believe that by now, if that had actually happened, you know, there'd be people coming out today and be like, oh, we we have the ability to have like, um, you know, potentially body armor that can or like uniforms that can like essentially um, hide certain parts of the body. Yeah, like but they I agree. I don't think they would be. Um... I don't think they'd be so forthright with the, with the public to say that we have. I think they'd be a little cautious of saying, you know, we have technology that we could literally walk into your house and you not know it. I think they'd be worried about that. Be you know, people yeah, putting but, that together in their head. If you if you start talking about, okay, we have this suit, it's only a matter of time before they start to go, yeah, well, they're using it for wars and stuff. But yeah, but they don't even need to walk into our houses anymore. Who's to say? Us. You know. I mean, they don't, they don't even need to walk in our house. Like they, they have, you know, they could listen to us right now. They could listen to us on our phone. They, Alexa, like, I mean, there's every. Well, I meant like from that, more of that time, from more of that time, but I agree with you 110% now. Now is definitely, they're already here, you know. I mean, the the computer, if you want to talk about alien technology, talk about the computer fucking life, you know, the computer world that we have, the technology of that, uh, supercomputers and stuff. I just, I just think that's that, more alien technology. I, I think that we're at a point right now where it's really, really, really. There's a lot of, I don't know. I feel like it's really hard for stuff to be hidden from the general public at the at the point that we're at now with tech with with social media. Well, I, think um, for t- well, I feel I like it's very, very hard to hide big, big, big things. From the general public, I mean the amount the, the amount of energy that would have to go into a cover up at this point, like yeah. I, I just don't see it happening. I don't see like big 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 things being covered up anymore. I feel like it's kind of the end for shady for shady like military like military and government kind of practices because there's two there's witnesses everywhere because you could easily silence witnesses when there was no evidence. Well, I think before. we're at the clo- I think we're at the closing of a window in a way with that where. Um. Yeah, I think there was a period of time where you know internet was really booming. You can kind of see whatever you want on there and get all this info and stuff. But I do think that we're leaning into a more um, watched place 
of um yeah but what about onion bro? like uh what about like the 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 dark web essentially yeah but I like think- i think the, you're familiar with the net neutral neutrality thing right neutrality <laughs> the net neutrality thing um yeah i think that's more of an issue where we're, with stuff like that where like you know your youtubes and stuff like you won't be able to get you won't even you know go f- watch a video of something that's an open-minded type what if video because it could put out you know thoughts the same way like if you like on facebook nowadays they have the new thing where if you put out you post something that facebook doesn't feel is accurate they put a they put like a a fuzz over your your post and people have to they have to go okay it tells you something that says this right here is not real it's like this isn't real do you still want to look at it and you have to click yeah i still want to look at it you know what i mean like i think we're getting to a place where that'll be the future where the only people that you won't have to click on will kind of be you know bigger corporation stuff and more of who who you want to who they want you to hear and watch and do all that stuff whereas in maybe a show like ours would be buried would be buried somewhere and you know we can't afford you know they they, they talk people talk about well it's an equal playing field but it really isn't because you know you take you know the was it the modem size and all that stuff where it's like yeah you could have you could have a certain show that would you know it has a good 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 internet you know type deal and you know on the free ride it's just zoom and woo like right now you go on there and you can get anything you want at the a push of a button. Now, if you, anybody remembers, you go back to the early '90s or whatever, where if you were to go on dial-up, you know, if you were to go listen to a song on fucking, you download something off LimeWire, you go put it in the MP3, the real player. You know what I mean? You gotta wait. You know, you gotta wait for that thing to like upload. You know what I mean? So, like, the worrisome part about that is that the people they don't want you to hear, like, let's say if this show was a show they wouldn't want you to hear what they would do is they would put us in a slow bandwidth or something where you click on the play button for behold the pill podcast. And 45 minutes later, you get to hear the first three minutes of us introducing the show. And then you go into another 45 minute wait while it buffers. And it'd be like a thing like that, where at that point, the audience won't want to deal with waiting to hear us or whoever. So they just won't, they'll they'll zone out and won't listen to that person anymore. And they'll listen to whoever is quick and whoever they can just press the button. And, Ooh, I just watched that whole thing without a, without anything. I got my commercials, of course, but uh, it doesn't stop. It doesn't buffer. I can just go right through. And then the more people that don't want you to hear and don't want you to see, videos will be more harder to get or just straight pulled you know there's certain videos that was on youtube you know when youtube first came on youtube was kind of like a, a lawless place where you would see not that i you know you should go looking for it but i remember you see people die on youtube in the early days of youtube and it's not a good thing i don't think you should see people die on youtube i think i definitely not but it was there and it was open and free to see if you wanted to see it. Now that's a whole different debate and discussion is how open certain things should be to the public to be able to see stuff like that. So yeah, I don't want no, I don't want my, I don't want my six year old niece watching somebody hang themselves on a, you know, a re-recorded Facebook live video, find figuring out the darkness of life, but you know what I mean? That way, uh, uh, but like I do, I would like somebody to be able to go one day and look, want to find, want to hear about 
hear Behold the Pale podcast talk about the Philadelphia experiment and be able to actually hear it one day. You know what I mean? Like that's my, that's all I really want from it. But it's questionable that, you know, it, it might not, who, who's to say where we end up with that. Yeah. That's I mean, a, I think we're getting a, like a yeah. neater presentation of the internet. Like we're getting right. closer and closer towards like a more censored presentation, but I, I don't think it will. Great, though. It's not, a yeah, good but I don't thing. think it will ever. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think for the layman, right? Like for the everyday user, it's, I mean, maybe well, that's, that's all they want for them. But but like for the curious for the curious people, right. I feel like it's I feel like it's not going anywhere. I mean, it might maybe it might take you a little longer to find it, but there's always going to be dedicated. I mean, hell, there's there's sites for I mean, there's sites for everything. If you want to, there's websites that like they're not necessarily legal, but like I mean, there's websites where you can go on and you can get pretty much every any, book ever yeah, published. Any, anything and yeah, I we mean, don't even we don't even recommend doing that stuff. It. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, and yeah, you'll be able to get people, but I don't know. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a different vibe. I see where you're going with it, and yeah, you're right. It's a safer, it's for a safer community type yeah. deal. It's for yeah. people that, it's for the same people that don't that 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 would that want everybody to give up their guns because they feel that because they don't understand that the guy that's breaking in their house and killing them didn't didn't legally get his gun in the first place. You know what I mean? I feel like more hardcore internet users are going to transition to more open source, like browsers anyway. I feel like, you know, I mean, I have, I have friends that, I mean, they try, they, I mean, they, they get a lot of stuff off, you know, whatever, Onion browser or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, technically like you can find anything, you can find the darkest nooks and crannies of the internet on there. But I mean, I'm with you. I I I'm just I'm gonna I get I I have, you know, uh, you know what what you're see. I don't know. I don't think anybody should really. Once you get to a certain age, I don't think you should be told what you can and can't do. I mean, don't hurt people. I mean, as long as you're, I do. I feel as long as you're not hurting anybody else, you should be able to do whatever you want to do in life. You know what I mean? Whatever that is, if that means you're doing something terrible that's going to give you a fucking lifespan of seven years, then if that's your choice, that's your choice. You know what I mean? Um, it's one of those things. If you want to watch terrible things, I mean, it, then you come into the weird thing of like, who's then the, 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 the call for looking for the content of it. You know what I mean? To a degree of that, you also, that argument comes into the mix too, because it's like, yeah, I guess it's like someone's out there making these videos, you know what I mean? So it's like, you don't want that. It's weird. It's you don't want to be told you can't watch something yeah, or do something. You don't want to be limited, but you don't. Because I mean, right there, like, even what you said, as long as it's not hurting someone else, I mean, that can be read, that can be read in, in a very, in different ways. But I mean, yeah. right off the bat, like, I, I mean, watching a lot of videos that are, exceptionally graphic that are filmed for the kind of you know by watching those videos you kind of are hurting someone else i mean the person that's being potentially killed they don't want you to they don't they don't want to be posted on the internet um, they're not worried about that video anymore no i, I, no, I, I know, know you, i know but I, I, yeah, dude, I know you mean it's a human and you're also supporting the concrete you're also supporting content creators like just inherently bad content creators that, that's what i mean that's what i was trying to go for a little bit where it's like yeah, you, you, you know, they should be seen there, but then you got, pe- you know, the people that 
when you know when it's get this stuff's getting hits, it's it's calling for more people to make it. What whether it be a video of somebody killing somebody or something like you know sexually bad, you know, um, you know whether it's a dude who's on an Instagram video running into a Seven Eleven robbing the place, you know, and, and videotaping the whole thing for the thrill of the people watching it. You know what I mean? And, the, and then like somebody getting killed, like the foolishness of that. Um, it's all bad, bad shit. This is, you know, it's wild, dude. There's so much, there's a lot of debate and discussion that could go into that whole world of, you know, the cell phone, everybody holding up their cell phone and every tragedy and how it all ends up, you know, you know, you Joe Blow, dude, your neighbor is now the news reporter. You know what I mean? Anybody is, if you're at the scene of a crime, anybody, anybody could become the next big you whip out your phone and you, you're commentating over a video that is getting played over every news outlet in the world, almost. You know what I mean? If it's big enough. Um, it's one of those things. You could be a true night crawler. Yeah, I mean, well, you, I mean, you have like, there, I mean, there's, there's just, I don't know, the internet's a crazy place. I feel like it the is. Internet is. I feel like the internet is lawless. Yes. And it's and it forever will be like it's it, the it, gathering it, of the juggalos. The internet but, is the gathering of the juggalos, right? Alex? But unfortunately, <laughs> like the internet for the for the everyday user, the internet is becoming more and more like monopolized and controlled. And that's the pro that that's the problem. Like right. there the all the all that content will always be there. We'll always be able to view it somehow. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna take a lot more digging and we're probably not gonna be able to find it on the safer browser options, but yeah. I mean, it's always going to be there. Like I'm not, I'm not worried about like, but I mean, in the same sense, like the hold the pill podcast doesn't want to get lumped in with porno with fucking kitty porn because it's out of the box thinking, you know what I mean? Which yeah. is something that would happen yeah. eventually. You know, it were nothing like that, but if you have so many, you're all, all these out of the box thinking things, well, that shit's evil shit, but you know what I mean? Like all this, out, you know, people having different opinions would just get thrown in with snuff videos and, you know, pedophile shit that's awful. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it, there'll be a place for it. Yeah, but now you're now you're getting lumped in with a bunch of shit you don't want to be lumped in with. And, like, you don't even want to go there. Like, why would you want to send an audience down that fucking hole to find your stuff? Where it's like, it's just a dark place and it goes into the thing where it's like, you don't even want to go there. It's going to make it, they're making it so people aren't even going to want to go find you, you know what I mean? In dark times. But you know where we're going to be? We're going to be happily fused to the fucking walls of uh, the battleship USS at Eldridge uh, to be found in the Philadelphia Experiment. You know what I mean? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I gotta, um, I gotta go to bed though. I'm tired. No, I hear you. <laughs> we, I just, well, we just all got fused to the boat, so now we can depart. All right, folks, everybody out there, we hope you have a great, uh, great evening out there. Enjoyed us. We lost two members of the Behold the <laughs> podcast uh, episode in our journey. We're losing the third one, so we're gonna all depart right now, and uh, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of the Behold the Pod. Okay. Woo! And that's that. Went down.
As the story goes, at that American shipyard in Philadelphia, a new destroyer was being built and it went by the name of the USS Eldridge. But this was no ordinary destroyer, far from it. It was being equipped with technology no country had or even had heard about. This technology was related to something called electrical field manipulation. And what this did was make the ship invisible to everyone else. This apparently came to fruition on July 22, 1943. We're told on this day in front of government and military officials, the scientists disappeared the ship with crew intact right in front of their eyes. A witness said he heard the generators buzz and then a strange blue light seemed to encapsulate the destroyer. And then, poof, it was gone. To say the least, the onlookers were completely baffled. To baffle them even more, their reports that the Eldridge appeared somewhere else at another shipyard in another part of the U.S. and then reappeared back in Philadelphia. That's one story anyhow, because another story says those scientists didn't introduce teleportation until later that year in October. Some accounts even say that when the ship came back there were sailors on board, but some of them had been fused to various parts of the steel. Some of these people were apparently mangled and broken, which adds some amount of horror to the tale. Apparently, when the ship was teleported in the second experiment and just appeared in the water near the Philadelphia shipyard, someone saw it, and he was aboard another ship, the SS Andrew Furuseth. It sounds like an outlandish tale, but a lot of people believe it's true. Now we must try and separate fact from fiction.